I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> After further review, and David the man of God Harris here on the phone lines talking about the winners and losers from week one from rookie head coaches and rookie players. David, what'd you think rating them top to bottom? Yeah, so starting off with the players that we saw week one, a couple of names that stood out. Of course, Sam Darnold, we talked about earlier in the winners and losers segment, just the way that he looked poised from a veteran standpoint. Yes, he made that early 6-6 mistake, but the way that he rallied both his teammates and just the way he rallied within himself to build that confidence, you really like what you saw out of him. kind of. And if you look at the rest of that rookie quarterback class in terms of the players that we saw between him, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson got some snaps in that route against Buffalo week one, sprinkled in a little bit of formations here or there to do some wildcat or read option or run plays in week two against Cincinnati. And then if we look at, you know, Josh Allen, kind of what we expected, he kind of stink up the joint because again, Josh Allen stinks. We saw that coming out of Wyoming, like he wasn't that prolific of a passer, really wasn't that, deep of a threat. He just has this big body, big frame. And so it'll be interesting to see between Darnold and then eventually we'll see Baker Mayfield, of course, because Cleveland's on that kind of traditional track of playing the Wiley veteran for a little bit while you work in your rookie, similar situation with Josh Rosen in Arizona. But I think as of, as of right now, if we're looking at week one, I think Sam Darnold is best poised to be that elite quarterback uh, or get close to that elite status in terms of his play. Transitioning to the running back position, and of course all eyes were on Saquon Barkley in the Giants game. And again, against the, the top-rated defense in Jacksonville from last season, he proved his own. He was both physical. We saw his speed on his touchdown run. Like, a lot of people were concerned, like, hey, you know, that's not going to translate over into the NFL, even though he was doing this against you know, some pretty decent competition coming from the Big East. But, yeah, Saquon Barkley came out firing on all cylinders. Like, it if he can model his game or his kind of career projection in a similar manner to kind of how Frank Gore has been where he was a star. And then as he aged, he became more and more this physical bruising running back. 
that a lot of teams have picked up and utilized him and kind of glimpses here or there in some situations where he can be a starter. I think Saquon Barkley can carve out a solid starting job within the NFL. I think another rookie running back, and we see this kind of every year, there's one rookie that's either undrafted or a little lower on draft on draft days and maybe got drafted day two or day three, but Philip Lindsay in Denver, kind of this undrafted rookie free agent, dynamic pass catching, not dynamic in terms of kind of longevity as we've seen him, but has the ability and shown that he can be that pass catching threat out of the backfield for Denver offense that's really trying to readjust what it's doing in terms of kind of helping Case Keenum develop that offense. And so I think he's going to be a name that, of course, for people that play fantasy football, they want to go try to get him left, right, and center because they think he's going to be the next Alvin Kamara. I was thinking about the rookie from last year, kind of what he was able to do down in New Orleans. And then a third rookie that I was really surprised with is Denzel Ward out of out of Ohio State playing for the Browns and partially because I was able to see the majority of his snaps because of the Steelers Browns game I was watching that but the way that he locked down Antonio Brown the way that he kind of shadowed and kept Antonio Brown quiet for the majority of that game kind of surprised me I didn't think you know we hear all the time Ohio State cornerbacks they're these great players just look across the league. But then it's also, when you're the fourth overall pick, there's just a little bit more expectation on you. There's just a little bit of, okay, we know the memes, we've seen the reactions on social media when he was drafted. It's like, what is Cleveland doing? But maybe the competence has come to Cleveland where they actually got themselves a pretty decent corner. And so... Only time will tell. Maybe it's the elements. Maybe kind of that week one. It was just it was just so full of adrenaline that he kind of played well. But I again, do I think he'll be this lockdown shutdown corner? Probably not. Like he'll probably he'll probably be serviceable throughout his career, which is what you like to hear out of your corners. Like you know they're not going to get burned, and he certainly didn't. But Again, I think time will tell. And so I think in terms of rookie players, those were the names that really stood out to me after week one. And in terms of coaches, we can go worst to first. So out of the seven head coaches, I think it's a universal consensus that Matt Patricia had the worst head coaching debut. Talked a little bit about earlier, talking about the state of the Lions. But yeah, like changing that culture, I think first we'll start with him, like actually giving a crap. I think not just in terms of creating that chemistry on the field, but like at least go to a barbershop, fam. Like, like I I know at least five barbers off the top of my head in Detroit that can you know, give you a little shape up. You know, so you don't have to look like a defensive coordinator that's filling in for your head coach. 
sixth worst is John Gruden in Oakland. I think when you look at kind of his ability, and we saw, you know, Monday night over the past decade, his ability to break down film, analyze game tape, look at kind of the way offensive and defensive flows were going, and from the booth being able to say, oh, this would be a good adjustment, this would be a good adjustment here. And coming out your first game, knowing that you already have the check and the way that you played a more conservative offense that was reminiscent of when you got fired in the league like a decade ago, the two Titans that's trying to play this. like, And it does feel like it's a prehistoric kind of football where you know, how many teams are using two Titans regularly outside of kind of goal line or red zone packages. Maybe one. And I'm hard pressed to think about that one. And so when we think about kind of just him offensively, Derek Carr not being the best quarterback, I don't know if he's kind of regressed or if he really hit that sophomore slump really hard and kind of or if it's the play calling and then taking into account the defensive side of the ball where kind of the key at John Gruden for alienating and then trading away their best player and Khalil Mack because of what he thought was Khalil Mack, you know, doesn't want to be here kind of attitude, doesn't want to play here, even though if we want to look at the facts, Khalil Mack was trying to get an extension to stay in Oakland to get more money. Because, you know, his rookie deal was kind of coming to an end and probably didn't want to play for under a million dollars a year. And so I think that just kind of all compounded into making John Gruden's debut just a nightmare in more ways than one. Yeah, that was that was kind of you know a, a bad performance from from the Raiders. Uh, uh, speed this up a little bit. We're gonna have to cut it short. We're running out of time. All right. So Frank Reich in Indianapolis is my fifth worst. Kind of Andrew Luck is kind of the we know what Indianapolis is going to be and around Andrew Luck. Steve Wilkes in Arizona is my fourth worst. Again, it's kind of a transitional kind of phase as they're bringing in Dan Bradford to kind of train up Josh Rosen. Number three, Mark Drabel in Tennessee, losing three of your key players on the offensive side of the ball, compounded with the NF just kind of having to restart your team after sitting for over three hours or four hours due to poor weather conditions. That's hard for any coach, regardless of if you're a rookie or a veteran. To Matt Nagy in Chicago, I think we talked about a little earlier, shooting himself in the foot in that second half after having a pretty decent game in that first half, and then Aaron Rodgers' magic. And I said, but all the pieces are there for them to be good and possibly, possibly above average. And then I think my best, at least for me, the best coach who made his debut was. Pat Shermer with the New York Giants and playing AFC Championship uh, finalists last year. Great defense. It was a great game overall. And 
They only lost by five points. But all the pieces are there for the Giants to be a legitimate shot to make the playoffs come December. Wow, that's a good analysis there, uh, David. Going into week two will be interesting. Any plans for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, football's on the tube, probably. I mean, of course, I have to More watch football. the U and Toledo. Yeah, I, I believe then, that game is on ESPN2, by the way. Yeah, and you know, are, high noon, glass bowl. Maybe you can have a picture of us beating Miami next to that picture of us beating Fresno State and Larimer, but. Oh, it's gonna be a good game. We're not, see, Fresno State was not a big win. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but Fresno State was pretty poor uh, that I mean, year. In terms, in terms of us, like in terms of, like, in terms of big names. And I, I think some there's some notable wins that the, the the Rockets have had. Pittsburgh when Fitzgerald was on their team back in the day. Also, you got Iowa State. Uh, was a big win before Matt Campbell went there, so I, I, I think the Fresno. I wouldn't put that as a, as a great win uh, for UT, considering that I, I don't really consider Fresno. You know, for one, they're not in the Power Five conferences, and for two, Fresno is just is just not really. Not, they weren't that good. They were pretty poor. Now they're better this year, um, but the, back then they they weren't a really good football team. They had a decent quarterback, and I believe he got injured that game, and they put in their backup, and he was god awful. So, so, you know, that tells you how much it is. But it should be an interesting game. I, I'm really surprised that the, that the U actually carried it out. Um, I know I read the article where Michael Bryan basically uh, had some uh, – the, the AD is not there in Miami anymore, but him and the former AD were friends, and they decided to schedule the game. And there was a buyout clause just in case uh, – you know, Miami, you know, I guess got too big and said, you know, we're not going to put this on our schedule. But at the time when they did this, you know, Miami was looking for a game. And Miami, let's face it, they're not the Miami of the 80s or even the early 2000s. Because I'm sure if those were those teams, they wouldn't be coming up to Toledo. They might want to be going somewhere else like the Cleveland or, you know, a bigger stadium. But it's cool to see a, a historical program come up here. And uh, we'll see what they can do. And the Rockets did well last season playing a good three and a half quarters. Yeah, and kind of listening to sports radio down in Miami, they're kind of looking at Toledo like, who is this team? Like, and they bring up, you know, last year with Logan Woodside, Logan Woodside not being here this year. Well, Rick like, gave him credit. Team? That's all that matters. I don't, I don't really worry about the fans. I mean, let's face it, fans are fans. I mean, I remember the before the UT game that we did, which, by the way, is that anniversary just passed. Actually, I believe um, we went down to Ohio State. And the fan, I remember the fans in the in the in the corridors and concourses were saying, "Why are we playing another MAC team?" They, because they had beaten Akron handily the first game of the season. Then Toledo came in the second game of the season for against Ohio State, and you know you know what happened. Even though University of Toledo lost, the Ohio State fans were shaking their hands, saying, "Wow, you got a damn good football team." So I don't really worry about what the fans think. To me, eh, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's going to be a good game nonetheless. I hope there's a good turnout, not just from Miami fans no, making that trip. It, it'll it'll be about thirty thousand packed in the Glass Bowl, and I don't think too many Miami fans are going to be coming up here because because remember at the Hard Rock Cafe Stadium, uh, they don't really fill it too much. It's not the old school Orange Bowl. Half the time it's half full. And I believe the game was half full when the Rockets played down there last season, so I don't see too many Miami fans. 
making the trip up to, to Toledo, even though it's supposed to be a gorgeous day on Saturday at, at high noon. Yeah. And, I mean, you know there's going to, someone's going to be out there with, you know, the turnover chain, or someone's probably going to sneak a turnover chain into the launch pad. And just, well, yeah, hopefully it's a good game. At least Toledo's not not jocking and having some kind of turnover robe or a turnover throne or a turnover tire or whatever copycat uh, they're, they're, they're having out there. Well, no, we have the turnover rocket. I, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, like I said, it's, it, I understand, you know, copying is, is a form of flattery, but sometimes it goes a little bit overboard, especially in this generation uh, of, of basically copying off of people. Yeah, kids will be kids. Yeah, that is true. Well, David, man, have a good weekend. And once again, always enjoy that football. All right, see you next week. Yep. That was David, the man of God, Harris. On their time. Football, 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 football. We'll be back next week. Probably a full show as um, I have, obviously Rocket Football is at high noon, so you didn't get to listen to the show. But if you miss parts of it, like I said, always go back to the podcast. We're always on uh, SoundCloud and on iTunes, WHD After Further Review on SoundCloud and just After Further Review on iTunes. Make sure you just subscribe and then it'll let you know when the new episodes are loaded. For David and Frank, I'm Derek. We'll be back at the same time, same place. 11 to 1 here on 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review. You guys have a great afternoon and enjoy the weather and go Rockets. Peace. We're out.